We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thanks for listening to the Bart and Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. This sounds like a this sounds like a President's Day type of song. Real grand. It is President's Day. Good call. I know. It's a holiday. You're no. uh you're already on your second mm-hmm. shift of the day. Yeah, man. It's so all much for, good. So much for a vacation day. Because when I break, I'm a break. You break, you break. Pat O'Keefe in for Allen for the uh, first half of the week anyway. Bart Scott here, grinding as always. 1-800-919-3776. It's Bart and Han. we got audio, audio files Excuse me, coming up at the bottom of the hour. Um, Bart, the Brooklyn Nets this morning uh, parting ways with head coach Jock Vaughn. The Nets record 21-33. Yeah. So Vaughn relieved of his duties as Brooklyn Nets head coach for the second time in the last handful of years. Uh, he was the interim coach uh, coming out of the COVID break where he was replaced by Steve Nash, and then he came back as the interim coach replacing Steve Nash, and now he is out once again um, with the Nets having lost. What is their record here? They're 6-18 and in their last 24 games. And I'll tell you. It, it was the ass kicking, yeah. That, what that coincides with, that 6-18 and record. Um, you remember the day, I'm sure, it was right after Christmas. It was December 27th when the Nets had a home game against the Milwaukee Bucks, and they did not play that night. Spencer Dinwiddie and Cam <laughs> Johnson and Nick Claxton and Dorian Finney-Smith and Mikhail Bridges only played the first quarter because, God forbid, we mess up his consecutive games played right, streak right. because that's the only thing that matters. And since that game, when they got blown out 144-122, to since that game, when they were 15-15, and that night, since then, they've gone six and eighteen. It's been ridiculous. Uh, the the one that I think the nail in the coffin was when they they were non competitive. I think they got blew out by fifty like a week ago. Their last game, right before the All Star break. Yeah, we, we 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 knew we knew that that was the end. They just didn't want to do it going into the to the break. And now you have to ask yourself, where are they going from here? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- where where do we go from here? Where are they going from here? And what's the direction? Like. They didn't make any trades. They seemingly have all the same type of players. Now, I know it's going to be a lot of teams that that dump players. You know, they got the Ben Simmons contract, which they can get out of that, I believe, in a year or so. You, are you going to build around Cam Johnson and, and, and Bridges? Like, where, what? What, dire- what direction are we going? Like, in, like I, I have no idea. Like, the Nets are irrelevant even more than they normally are. And if I'm Bridges – do I want to stay here or do I start demanding a trade? You know, so it's it's interesting to see like they're 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 at a crossroad. I know they had to reset after Kyrie and, and, and Harden and all that stuff. They gave up a lot of gave gave up a lot of assets to get them. They got a lot of assets back when they traded, you know, Durant and traded Kyrie and, and, and traded Harden. But it seemed like they got all wings. And it's no it's no identity and I, I I know last year was tough to be able to to hire Udoka, but the fact that you know you didn't come after him and say, "Hey man, like we're not gonna let you go to Houston. We'll pay you more." 
was was crazy because like things change and you know he's back in the league and Houston looks like it's more promising because you know you knew he was a good coach you saw what he did in Boston and you knew eventually it would blow over not saying it's completely blown over um but you would have had an opportunity to get a very very good coach to help build you know, in a market that's not the most enticing. Now, I know a couple of years ago when KD and Kyrie came here, they said the Knicks weren't cool, but the Knicks are cool now. And when people think about coming to New York, they're going to think about going to play for the Knicks, not so much the Nets, unless they're trying to make a big play for, for Donathan Mitchell to maybe build something between Donathan Mitchell and Bridges, you know, if we think Mitchell isn't going to resign. But they're playing well. He's playing well with the Cavs, and the Cavs are playing well. So who knows? I just I just think that they're they're a shit without a rotor. I think the Donovan Mitchell thing is still on the table, but the problem with the Donovan Mitchell thing is this: because you're not going to trade for a guy without it, it going into the last year of his contract, which he will be next year, without assurances that he's going to re-sign beyond that. And right. I don't know that I see Donovan Mitchell giving those assurances to the Nets because the Lakers can make a play for Donovan Mitchell, and they surely will the go heat. after him. The Heat are always in the mix. The Knicks have the assets still to make a play for Donovan Mitchell. Um, so if you're Mitchell, why would you want to go to Brooklyn as opposed to those other glamour franchises? And by the way, what has happened the last couple of years since the Nets were near the top of the NBA and have slid way back, the Knicks are once again a glamour franchise. And that's part of the identity problem now for this Brooklyn Nets franchise. What are they? Because they had a window in 2019 when they were coming off of a surprising season that led to the playoffs. And they actually played the 76ers pretty tough in a five-game first-round series. And that offseason was the pivotal offseason when Durant came to Brooklyn and Kyrie came to Brooklyn. And you had the Knicks on the other side stuck on a 17-65 and win season and they had to sign the consolation prize at the time of Julius Randle. And the Nets couldn't capitalize on the fact that they had two and then ultimately three of the biggest stars in the game once James Harden came to Brooklyn. And the Knicks, meanwhile, were still kind of toiling in mediocrity. If the Brooklyn Nets couldn't seize on that opportunity to make an imprint in this market, I don't know if they're ever going to because now... The Nets have slid back to 21-33. and 33. They have no identity as a team. And by the way, look what the Knicks are again. The Nets essentially missed their window to capitalize on the undecided basketball fans in New York while the Knicks were still trying to figure things out. Yeah, opportunity lost, right? And this is the second time, the second iteration of them going all in. And listen, I can't, I can't fault them. I don't think anybody can fault them for, for you know, going after KD, Kyrie, Harden. But eventually the credit card bill is due, and it was due once they left. But now you have all these picks. But if they don't, if they don't turn into legitimate good players, then what is it all for? You find yourself, you know, 10th, 14th in the Eastern Conference. How do you build around that? How do you sell ticket sales around that? And, you know, people are watching the the, the, the Knicks and, and how well they're run and the fact that they're financially stable and what they can do in the future. You got to ask yourself, like, how do we build this thing and who do we start with? 
They they got to make that decision. They traded nobody. Like they could have traded Bridges to mm-hmm. to to the um anybody to the Rockets. The Rockets. A lot of people wanted them. You know, if they want to build around him, then you got to start figuring out like who you're going to go after. And I know it's going to be a lot of free agents that's available this offseason when you think about, you know, teams that are going to have to cut maybe some people because of the luxury tax that's coming, you know, with, you know, next season as the new rules kick in. And let's see how they build it. But right now it is not fun to be a net, right? And I don't know what the end of this season is going to look like. The second half of this season is going to look like interim head coach again and, General manager, you have to ask yourself, like, what what are we doing? Uh, I need I need I need a Rangers State of the Union address, talking to to the concerned fans. I need to know, just like the Rangers say, hey, we suck right now. We yeah, understand of it. It's great. It's a bigger, grand um, stage and, and, and picture being painted here that you guys can't see. But we're going to be bad for a couple of years as we try and recover, and we're going to we're going to start building some foundational pieces and getting in, in financial. Um, you know, get financially fit and and move on from there. I mean, work for the Rangers, maybe they work for the Nets if they come out and just throw themselves upon the mercy of the court. So Sean Marks, interestingly, was hired eight years ago yesterday, February 18th, 2016. When he took over the franchise, they were 14 and 40, and they had already executed that awful trade with the Boston Celtics where they – traded all the first-round picks, and they swapped the rest of the picks that they didn't trade. That led to 2016. The Nets would have had the third pick in the draft, but they had to give it to the Celtics, and they picked Jalen Brown. 2017, the Nets actually won the lottery, but that pick went to the Celtics, and the Celtics used that pick to select Jason Tatum. Hmm. And, And despite that, Sean Marks early on did a really good job because with him and with Kenny Atkinson as their head coach, within two years, they were in the playoffs and they made themselves appealing enough that two of the biggest stars in the NBA decided to come to Brooklyn as free agents. And, and I will say the biggest what if about this entire thing, it's not, you know, it's not the vaccine. It's not, Harden's hamstring injury. It's not Kyrie's sprained ankle. The biggest what if is if Durant was not on the line on that shot against the Bucks in Game 7 in 2021. If he hit that shot, the Nets would have won that game in Game 7. They would have gone on to the Eastern Conference Finals to play the Atlanta Hawks. They probably would have beaten them because Kyrie would have gotten healthy. James Harden was already back. And then you beat the Hawks. You're in the NBA Finals. And that Nets team probably if fully healthy, would have beaten the Phoenix Suns, and they actually would have been NBA champions, which is why I agree with what you said. Even though it has not worked out, and it's kind of blown up in spectacular fashion, but I would do it again if I were Brooklyn. And and it all goes back to that one, what, six inches. His toe on the line <laughs> yeah. changed so much of history. I know Budenholzer, you know, when it was on his way to getting fired. Yes. And, you know, Durant would have just put on his boy's shoes that day or – Went with something else, man. It would have been different, but you know, if if, if it was a fifth, we'd all be drunk, and now they have now they have to start all over again, and, and that started, you know, a spiral out of control. You know, they couldn't get figure it out. They couldn't stay healthy, and, and almost it's almost like watching the Nets. It's like what we thought we were going to see. You know what we see out of the Clippers now, right? Like it took them a while, but that that was supposed to be KD, Kyrie, Harden. And, you know, Ben Simmons. And we just never got the chance to even see it. 
you know, it's one thing to, to believe it can't work, but to, to not be able to see what it looks like or what it's supposed to be, it's, it's, it's disappointing. Right, if they would, if they just wouldn't have asked with, with how open it was, the Eastern Conference was last year, and the Heat being able to be an eighth seed and go all the way to the championship, you know, you ask yourself if that team would have stayed together just last year, when they got into the tournament, would they have been able to make some noise? And the answer should be yes, yes, because you saw how easy it was to get there. You saw how vulnerable uh, Milwaukee was, right? And you know, I think I think when you look at that, with what Doc Rivers has done as well. That's something that you have to keep your eye on. You hear Giannis talking about, hey, this is my third coach or fourth coach in four years and something like that. You know, I will keep an eye on that as well. But they went, the problem they went 18 is, and 2 at one stretch last year. Yeah. The, pro- the problem is the Nets have not made themselves an attractive destination where free agents will say, oh, yeah, I'll go there. They don't have a coach, they have a bad culture, and they don't have a roster that people can see. Hey, we can we can win games here and be you know be a, a, a power in the Eastern Conference, which isn't that powerful. There were a lot of similarities between the Clippers situation and the Nets because they both made their splashes in that 2019 offseason. That was also the year that Kawhi and Paul George went to the Clippers, and for the first four years, that didn't work out. Um, the biggest difference is the Clippers hired one of the top coaches in the NBA in Teron Liu. And the Brooklyn Nets, when they had everything ready to go, hired Steve Nash as their head coach with no head coaching experience. Because they wanted a partnership. I think that, yeah, well, I don't know who, who was coaching game seven. Was it Kyrie's turn? Was it Durant's turn? Was it, they were supposed to take turns, right? It was a collaboration. It was a collaboration. Some days it'll be KD. Some days I'll be, you know, with the whiteboard drawing up the plays. Um, and that's one of the biggest differences. The, the Clippers stayed the course and they hired a top head coach where the Nets took a chance with this veteran-laden squad on hiring a coach, a fantastic Hall of Fame player, but a coach with actually no head coaching experience, and they never were able to get over the hump. Um, Pat O'Keefe and Bart Scott, Barton Hahn, is brought to you by Tullamore Dew, because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Tullamore Dew, the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cask matured Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew Honey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Let's take some calls on this. Bart, let's go to Eddie in Los Angeles. Eddie, what's going on? What's going on, Pat? What's going on, Bart? What up? Hey, Bart. Yo. I'm, I'm the same guy who, who said uh, it was y'all fault uh, why we didn't win in 2011. But Eddie, I just want to let you know you Eddie, I'm familiar. Yeah. I, I know I know your voice, Eddie. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I messed with but you. But I love you. I, I I love you, Bart. I love you, Bart. You're my third uh, greatest uh, Jet of all time, behind Freeman McNeil and Wesley Walker. Oh. And, and Pat, um, t- what were you going to say, Bart? No, so I'll take that. I appreciate it. It's not bad. You better take that. Those are two of the greatest who who don't get credit for how great they were. But um, but um. Pat, I want to say, um, uh, um, I mean, Bart, tell Han he better be careful because Pat is going to take his job. But, um, but I, I, I don't have to say too much because listening to what you guys said uh, just now, um, I don't have to say anymore. Y'all said everything I, 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 that was on my mind that what I was that what I was I was about to say, and um, you know the Nets. We have to we have to hold we have to hold um, the Nets organization feet to the fire 
because the reason why they are where, where, where the Nets are right now is their fault. I blame Kyrie 30%. I blame uh, Durant 30%. And 70%, I, I blame it on the organization. It's their fault. And then the other thing I wanted to say, um, I wanted to ask you guys I, 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 more of a, me making a statement or a conversation. Um, I had called yesterday, and, uh, and I had told Pat uh, um, that the Jets and the Giants, they practice in New Jersey. They play in New Jersey. Oh, is this you They're yesterday, actually, Eddie? Yes, Pat. <laughs> Bart Eddie had a had a bug up as you know what about uh, identifying the Jets and the Giants with New York as. Oh, we want to call them the Jersey Jets. Yes, and he wants to know why the uh, Buffalo Bills are not claimed by New York City. So he's still, tw- I guess, twenty four hours later, he still needs. <laughs> so, so, so should we had a call about it? Yeah, should we had a call like the the Pistons for the last twenty years, the Auburn Hills, the Auburn Pistons, Hills Pistons, yeah, or when they were back in the day, the Pontiac Pistons. Yep. Like, like we know that we can be on one one city one way one time and just cross the street and be on another one, man. We a border place, man. We went to the best place where we had cheap land. Like if you want to do it, the Hudson Yards was your only chance. Yep, it was. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the uh, Santa Clara 49ers can do next year. If they can <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Exactly. Uh, let's go to Dave in Jersey City. Dave, what's going on? Good morning. I'm just calling about the Nets. Basically, the only problem that Nets have is that they have to get a center. They have all the personnel. They just need a, a center. What about yeah, a point so guard? It's a quick call. No, they, they'll be they'll be all right. I think they just they they playing without a center bar. You know you know your football. You know your basketball. I give you credit. We always go at it. But they need a center. If they get a center. They can do something with the personnel they have. The, the, pro- the hey, problem guys, is the problem is the game has changed so much that I don't know if that center exists. You know what I mean? A, a center that can shoot the no, three, got, pick well, and roll defense. Well, I'm sorry. You got the guy. They could get the guy out of Purdue, or you go to the European League and get one of those big type. All the Purdue, like Purdue, per, per, the dude from Purdue yeah, yeah, look like even, he got even. slow ass feet. Yeah, I, don't know I know, that but Zach he's Edie a center. The Nets don't need a center. They only need a center bar. Okay. I mean, um, the Nets have Nick Claxton, who, yeah. if, if I'm he's listing he's the, too skinny, the Nets, I guess. he is skinny, but if I'm listing their myriad problems, Nick Claxton is far down that list. He's yeah, actually let, a pretty good rim yeah. protector and rim runner. You let you let Jerry Allen go, like, uh, was it uh, Mobley? Like, I, I don't know, like, the, the center that's out there, you know, because uh, Lauren Marketing isn't a center. No, he's, he's not a, a center. He, yeah, he's not a center. So I, I don't know. Like the center, that 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 position is becoming extinct. Well, yes and no. I mean, there, there's different types of centers. Obviously, there's the Jokic and Embiid, which are among the best players in the NBA right now. But yeah. they're they're not going to be available. But you see what the the Knicks have done this year. The Knicks have gotten a ton of production out of their center position. Yeah, Hardenstein. But and I tell you Robinson, what. when he was playing, the two of them combined this year have shot three shot three three pointers this season. So you don't need. One of these stretch five centers, you know, it depends on the system that you play. I tell you what, I mean, how Hartenstein was playing, they're going to have the Knicks are going to have to play him. I can see like Mitchell Robinson because he offers no offensive game. You know, say hey, we maybe we can move him. Yeah, well, they also they also have to pay um, Hartenstein. They have to pay him. Yeah, he's up and he's he's due for a race because he got he's getting paid as a backup center right now and he's playing as a above average starting center right now. But that's a. Uh, 
that's a problem or a situation for the offseason. The, the bigger question for those two guys, if we're switching to the Knicks real quick, is when or if and when Robinson comes back, does he go back into the starting lineup or do you bring him off the bench and continue to start Isaiah Hartenstein? But there's certainly a spot in the rotation for both of those guys. But look, with, with the Nets, and I, I don't know what the team has because you have a bunch of guys, Bridges, who has a lot of value, like other teams would want him. Claxton, I think, has a lot of value. Cam Johnson has a lot of value. Even Dorian Smith has value. All of these guys that they have on the roster, this is why it's, it was confusing to me that they didn't make any moves before the trade deadline other than getting rid of Spencer Dinwiddie because all of those guys I just mentioned have a lot more value individually than they do collectively. Collectively, they're the backbone of a team that's 21 and 33 right now. Yeah. But if you trade if you know if you strip the team and sell it for parts, Bridges can get you this. Uh Cam Johnson can get you this. Claxton can get you this. I, I don't know what they're doing right now because what they have right now is a team that's 12 games above 500 and literally 12 games below 500 and literally going nowhere. Yeah, and that's why you know we'll, we'll see what the decisions are made. I think Cam and and, and Bridges are untouchables and you know, Fiddy Smith, you talk about a, a big wing, a, a good defender. Those are the pieces that you kind of sell off. And they should have been the team, if that's the case, absorbing contracts so that they can get draft picks for compensation and allowing teams to be part of three-team three three, um, three team drills. I'm, I'm so happy that Ben Simmons back acted up because what I didn't want is for him to have a healthy year and force you to pay him, and then he goes back to being injured. It's always amazing how, like, guys stay healthy when they um, – when, when their contracts are up and Ben was looking like he was convincing them to say, hey, man, pay me. I can be the point guard. And I'm, I can stay healthy. I'm glad that they were able to, 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 to be able to flush that out as I think Ben Simmons won't be here in the future. I can't imagine that he will be. He's played 12 games this season. He's played 308 minutes this entire season. Um, I'm not even sure if they have announced who the interim head coach is yet. I guess they have a couple of days to make that announcement. It's not that big of a deal. Anyway, the biggest deal is where is this franchise going? But Brooklyn fires Jock Vaughn as its head coach. We'll take another break here on uh, Barton Hahn. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into a little audio files as we'll go around the sports landscape, mix in a little football on this Monday morning, this Monday afternoon, excuse me, this President's Day afternoon here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. 
Are you tired of uncomfortable, stuffy clothing when you're on the move? Task Performance is here to revolutionize your active lifestyle. Crafted with their innovative organic cotton and bamboo fabric blend, Task Performance's Carrollton Collection is Task's all-time most popular active wear. Task Carrollton Collection is breathable, moisture-wicking, and provides USPF 50-plus sun protection, keeping you fresh, cool, and comfortable all day long. Task has harnessed the natural performance qualities of bamboo to deliver amazingly soft and durable apparel produced in an ethical and sustainable manner. Whether you're hitting the gym or on the trail, the golf course, traveling, the office, or just around town, Task Carrollton Collection will help you feel better, move better, and live better. Available in dozens of colors. See what better looks like at taskperformance.com. Use code SPORTS to get 20% off. That's code SPORTS at TASCperformance.com. Task, creating the most comfortable performance apparel on the planet. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. All right, this portion of Barton Han is brought to you by Tullamore Dew. Because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Tullamore Dew, the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cask matured Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew Honey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Pat O'Keefe in for Allen, who is off this week alongside Bart Scott on Bart and Han here on 98.7 ESPN New York. All right, Bart, 130. You know what that means? It is time for us to step aside and let the newsmakers do the talking. It is time for Audio Files. The Audio File. All right. Yeah, extra stank on that one. I like that. I uh, mentioned earlier you've been a busy guy today. You were on Get Up this morning, bright and early, talking a little football as uh, you are contractually obligated to do. Mm -hmm. Mike Tannenbaum, with whom you're moderately familiar. Drinking that Shinola early this morning, Mike. Alongside with you. Alongside you this morning. A lot of intriguing names across the NFL um, who are likely to land in different spots. And among those names is Russell Wilson. Uh, It was an unceremonious end to his two-year stint in Denver as the Broncos' starting quarterback. He actually showed some, I thought, good signs last year and proved that he's still among the top 20, top 22 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. There's certainly a spot for him somewhere, I would think. So Tannenbaum, on Guest Up, was asked where Russell Wilson should go. Yeah, I think he would actually be a great fit with the New York Jets, and here's why. Oh, my gosh. Why you want to Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson? Absolutely. Pay him a million dollars and let him resurrect his career. <laughs> I actually have experience with this. Vinny Testaverde got cut by the Baltimore Ravens. We signed him in June and went to the championship game that year. So if you're if you're Russell Wilson and you don't get I know early, Mike. Hey Bart, if you but if where, where else is he gonna go? He has to resurrect his career. So if you have to sit for a year, why not sit behind one of the greatest of all times and then be a free agent again? It's when, when, when I was reasons. guys, where is he going to go? He's 36 years old. No one's going to hand him a starting job. He's going to have to be a backup somewhere. Yeah, that, not one of Mike's finest moments on the show. That was easy, uh, uh, easy to kind of tear down. I mean, Russell Wilson behind Aaron Rodgers believing that he's still a starter in this league. You need a backup coming here that understands his role, 
You need a backup here that's not going to cause. Can you imagine both of these guys going to a Knicks game and Russell think he's going to sit next to him? Like, no, bro, it don't work that way. I'm the starting quarterback. You take your ass up to the suite. I sit next to Spike. That's kind of how it goes. And I told Mike, remember when you had a starting quarterback and you decided to go get Tim Tebow and it became a big distraction, whether it was inside the locker room or people talking to him. If Aaron Rodgers has a bad game, they're going to go straight to Russell Wilson and start talking to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson needs to go somewhere. You need to make sure that you get a good backup. Maybe Tyler Huntley from the Baltimore Ravens. You know, as he's been there, he's got to be got to be due up for some type of contract or something like that. And what you're selling is Aaron Rodgers is here for a year, maybe two, and you can in you can inherit the keys to the to the, to the kingdom, so to speak. And especially if they go out and Aaron Rodgers is able to attract guys like Devontae Adams or you go out there, you get another good receiver, that's a great situation if the Jets draft the quarterback, uh, draft the offensive lineman and, and, and sign one. And you work on that offensive line with Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, if you're able to go out and get another you know, number 1A or, or, or number 2 type of receiver, whether it's Calvin Ridley, Hollywood Brown, or something like that, and you tell them, hey, Aaron Rodgers is almost done. So if you're a guy like Jacoby Brissett, you can say, hey, man, maybe he, can get, he, maybe he gets hurt this year, and I got Devontae Adams and Garrett Wilson to throw to Brees Hall. Or he plays this year, I learn the system, and when he retires – I can just take over for him because there's not that many jobs available. There's not going to be any starting jobs available for guys like Jacoby Brissett, Gardner Minshew, unless they inherit one like um, like Baker Mayfield did when you know uh, Tom Brady decided to retire, created a, a, a vacuum where a guy who can maybe get a retread chance because the team has to use a retread quarterback because they didn't draft one. And let me just add that none of that, and you gave it from the Jets' perspective, if I'll jump in on the Russell Wilson perspective, I don't think any of that sounds appealing to him. First of all, playing for $1 million, I don't think that would be appealing to well, him he gets, he gets he gets He gets matched he gets, automatically from, right. from Denver, so a million means that Denver has to pay him 38 the, Yeah, the, the balance, right. But the other part of it is the, the opportunity to resurrect his career. How is he going to resurrect his career from the sideline? The Jets have a starting quarterback as of right now. And I understand there's an inherent injury risk, and I, I just feel like we're a year too late with this conversation. I think yeah. if Russell Wilson was on the Jets last year, given what happened, I think they would have been in a lot better shape because Wilson actually had a pretty good year. I mean, he's not the Super Bowl-winning quarterback he was a decade ago, but he threw 26 touchdown passes and only eight interceptions last season and threw for, what, over 3,000 yards. Yeah, I mean, a place like Pittsburgh – a place like Tampa, who knows what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield. A place like Atlanta. Those are the places where a guy like Russell Wilson should be looking because he is attractive. If Baker Mayfield says, hey, I think I'm supposed to get $30 million this year or $40 million this year, I took you to the playoffs, won a playoff game. You're like, yeah, I know, but we'd rather sign Devin White, Mike Evans back. Okay, we'll, we'll go get Russell Wilson. And to me, that's a lateral move, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, and then he can have his opportunity to resurrect his career there. Um, so Mike was off base a little bit. I, I, I don't think the Jets even is an attractive destination for a guy like Russell Wilson. Plus, the other fact is, what if Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson both need to do squat thrusts on the plane at the same time? 
<laughs> Who gets to go first? I guess Rodgers goes first, right? Exactly. You, you go to the back of the bus, uh, uh, Trump. You, <laughs> Which you, you, he's not used to being yeah. back there. <laughs> like, Russell, you, you, you sit you sit there in low class. and Not, not first. Aaron Rodgers sits in first class. Yeah. You sit in low class. You I, sit you sit back there damn near with the reporters, man. You, you don't even sit with the team. I don't think he and Ciara are used to the back of the plane. Yeah, not at all. My goodies. No. She can't ride on a plane either. Uh, <laughs> so, Tannenbaum um, was just getting teed up this morning. More from the former Jets GM, on Get Up. What should the Jets do this offseason? I don't know if Joe Douglas and Sean Payton are watching, but they should be taking copious notes because the Jets should be trading Zach Wilson to the Denver Broncos for Jerry Judy, Brian, and here's why. The Jets desperately need another weapon, and Jerry Judy, fifth-year option was exercised. Very talented player. Can make a big difference in that offense next year. Alan Lazard will work out. And then on the other side... Sean Payton has deep belief in his ability to develop quarterbacks. Zach Wilson, love him, hate him. He has a tremendous amount of tools. I'm, I'm sure Sean Payton says, hey, let him back up Jared Stidham, and I'll develop him. Nah, that wasn't crazy, right? If you can get a guy that's on his fifth-year deal, and if he plays well, you sign him to some type of extension. But that's a way to get like a one-year guy. It's almost like Odell Beckham with his $18 million deal last year with the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens signed Nelson Aguilar. And they allow, you know, probably Odell Beckham to, to go off into the sunset. And so that's not a bad deal. That's like a one-year hard-on-your-cap type of fifth-year option. Who I don't know what the number is on the fifth-year option, but that allows you to be able to say, okay, I got to want it. Because what you don't want to do is you're not going to pay some young receiver, and then when Garrett Wilson's up, he walks away because you can't pay him. That's why I said that it has to be like a trade or it has to be somebody like a Mike Evans who only wants a three-year deal. So then when Garrett Wilson is up and you pick up Garrett Wilson's fifth-year option, you can you can afford to pay him because you're not, you know, whoever you bring in is off the books. So who knows if it's going to be a Tyler Boyd, if it's going to be a Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, or if it's going to be a guy like Calvin Ridley. But I, I suggest that it's a guy that you can bring in on a three-year deal. So then when Garrett Wilson is up, you can get rid of him because remember – the great thing, the bad thing, the good thing is Joe Douglas has drafted well in recent years. The bad thing is they're all from the same draft, so they're all going to be up at the same time. You know, the same time you're going to have to pay Garrett Wilson, you're going to have to pay Sauce Gardner. One of those guys got to get paid early. If Jermaine Johnson takes the next step from eight sacks this year to 13 sacks, then he's in the same draft class. So you got two, you got three more years on him. So, you know, Brees Hall, because he's a, um, a second round draft pick, you got to pay him a year earlier. So, you know, it can get it can get rough around here. They got to start making some long term decisions about how they're going to try and pay these guys at different times in front load contracts. So by the time it's time to pay somebody else, that they're not you know they're cheap. And it's going to start with them potentially you know in my opinion drafting a quarterback in third round, hoping that he can develop and be the replacement for Aaron Rodgers. So then they can have that San Francisco type of scenario where you have high-paid guys that you drafted, but then now you have a cheap quarterback so you can keep them together for a little longer. Maybe so the kid talk- from Florida State. You're talking a lot about um, – you're coming off the injury. You're talking a lot about, Bart, um, you know, fortifying the, the weapons, which we all know they need to do. If, is there a scenario that you see in which the Jets do not use the number 10 overall pick on an offensive lineman? Not one. Okay. Not, I, I'm with you. I'm just not one sure at all. That's I mean, you got guys like uh, Puka Nakua coming out of the fifth round doing his thing. No, it's too many. And this is the thing with the Jets. I don't know if they have to go tackle. They just got to go with solid offensive linemen. Whether they get replaced in Langton Tomlins, 
you got a guy like Connor Williams, right, who uh, played, you know, he, he excelled this year as a center, had played guard with Dallas and played and was drafted as a tackle. You got guys like Kevin Dotson, who's an outstanding guard. I think, you know, your Swiss Army knife, you can't depend on him right now, is Vera Tucker. So you have him and Tipman. So even if you go out and get a guy like Connor Williams and say, hey, he's playing at such a great level at center with Miami. He played, you know, he had them there, a Pro Bowl, all pro type of year. You can move a guy like uh, Tipman to guard because he proved that he can play guard. So, you know, that's still two solid players, two good players. At a position, you add Vera Tucker and you also draft, you attack on the draft. Then you hope that you hit four out of five and, and hope that somebody else can step up that's already on the roster. All right, staying in the National Football League as we continue here on Audio Files, a uh, different team of a certain level of prominence, the Dallas Cowboys. Another solid regular season, a division championship in the NFC East for the Dallas Cowboys, and another flame out in the playoffs, a lopsided loss at home in Big D to the seventh-seeded Green Bay Packers. Now, Demarcus Lawrence, recently a guest on First Take, was asked what went wrong with the Cowboys' season. All honesty, I think the main thing is who's burned out, man. Long season, um, team dominantly healthy throughout the season. The legs get tired, but also, um, you know, you got to give hats off to Green Bay, man. They came out with a great game plan. All right. Yeah, Michael. Did Michael Parsons respond to that? I believe he did. Should we just jump okay. right to that? Michael yeah, Parsons yeah, let's, let's responded to, to that. What, yeah, let's go what he was responding to. On the uh, Stephen A. Smith show. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I agree that teams play us like the Super Bowl. We are the Dallas Cowboys. But in the end, that's not a good enough reason or excuse to say that publicly. You should never go into a game like I'm tired, like I'm ready, like I'm ready to go home. Because that's exactly what happened, and it did happen. That's part of culture and identity that I just feel like we're missing. Like, that's just something that I don't agree with at all. But as soon as playoffs hit, knowing how limited and how hard it is to win in playoff games, I would not I wouldn't, I would never say I'm tired or I, I feel fatigued. One, one, one day, Micah Parsons, the veteran, is going to get squeamish listening to Michael Parsons, the young player. Because he's so naive. He just doesn't get it, right? And understand that. You got to understand that words matter, but attitude reflect leadership. And you've been in the league three years. You're one of the better players. You are the attitude. You're the leadership. What are you doing to, 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 to combat the narrative that the Dallas Cowboys have. Instead of trying to to come at everybody on Twitter and come at everybody on Instagram and respond to everything, you need to focus and be locking your troops in. Michael Parsons, great player, not a great leader. Doesn't understand how to be a leader. Just because you're a good player doesn't mean that you're a good leader. And he doesn't understand that that responsibility falls on him. Like, So what are you doing to make sure that those narratives are there? What are you doing to make sure that your family members aren't speaking on Dak Prescott and you not responding to it. That's all passive aggressive stuff, right? As a leader, you're supposed to nip that stuff in the bud and you have all these different platforms in which you speak on. But when that happened, you didn't speak on that at all. But you you comment on everything else, whether it's in your organization or somebody else's and you and you, you cowered up and went into a hole and until they have leadership like that, where it's uncomfortable and you do what's right and not what's what's convenient. 
the Dallas Cowboys are always going to be who exactly they are. And that's a disappointment. That's going to be all hot air. And, you know, they say, well, we're the Dallas Cowboys. What does that mean? The Dallas Cowboys hasn't meant anything since Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, and, and and Troy Aikman was doing something about it. Ain't nobody worried about y'all. Who the hell y'all in beat? Who y'all in sent home in the playoffs? Like in thirty years. 30 that's years. the pro- that's the problem. They think because they wear the Dallas Star that means that there's somebody. No. And you heard Emmett Smith say the same thing. I'm tired of these dudes living off our success. Like, what are we talking about? This dude think because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys, it makes him special. Yes, you are special, but not the good special. The bless his heart special. Like, he don't get that he don't get it. Like he told us a couple of year, uh, weeks ago, I'm 24. I've said three years in the league. I've seen it all. I know it all. You think you know it all. How about shut up? Why don't you pull Charles Haley to the side? Well, maybe not. He's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't pull him to the Why side. Why don't you pull Deion Sanders to the side? Okay, yeah. Why don't you pull Michael Irvin to the side? Why don't you pull Emmett Smith to the side? Why don't you pull Troy Aikman to the side and say, how's this winning thing done in Dallas? Because we ain't been able to figure it out since y'all. Instead of saying, I'm 24 and I've seen it all. You sound like a dumbass. Been there, done that, seen it all three years into the league. That is audio files. We'll take a break on Barton Hahn. Some reaction uh, to the Jets situation. They do have to do something at the quarterback position behind Aaron Rodgers, as was clearly evidenced by what happened this past season. It's Barton Hahn on 98.7 ESPN New York. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine, especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups and sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up and power your buys and tries the right way or de-stress with some cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. In that disco era. There we go. That's how you feeling? When was the last time the uh, Cowboys were Super Bowl contenders? It feels like. uh, I, feel, I feel like this like should be like a deuce and a quarter. Them old... Uh, 
black black sportations. The car chase with a whole car like it's about to roll over. God bless seventies television. Get out of here, sucker. We got, uh, we're talking hockey earlier. Anita Marks is going to be live from the park at UBS Arena on Saturday, February 24th, starting at noon before the Islanders matchup, matinee matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we're giving away four pairs of lower bowl tickets plus one pair of premium club seats at ESPNNewYork.com or on the ESPN New York app. Just scroll down to contests and submit your entry. Join the New York Islanders for every thrilling matchup in March. Take advantage of special ticket pricing for upcoming home games at UBS Arena and be there for all the exciting action on the ice. Get your tickets today at NewYorkIslanders.com slash March. And mentioned earlier, they announced it at the Rangers-Islanders game yesterday that UBS Arena will be hosting the NHL All-Star Game in 2026. one 800 It's Barton Hahn. Bart Scott with Pat O'Keefe in for Allen this week. And let's go back to the phones. Ira on Staten Island, back from vacation. Ira, what's going on? Hey, no, hey, how are you? No, getting to listen to the radio and still on vacation. So, you told me uh, Florida the other day. Uh, That's why you confused me, Ira. Yeah, no, we're, we're, still, we're still down okay. here. We're still down here a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, I love my key, and I know he likes to throw some stuff out there. Um <laughs> I would I would have preferred Russell Wilson than before Aaron Rodgers two years ago, but you know it, it is what it is. Uh, Wilson's not coming here. Hey, if I had a if I had to make a, uh, a bet, I, I'd say Ryan Tannehill is probably going to be the Jets' backup, but strictly because of the Titans, uh, some of the ex coaches on the staff. But you know, go, just going forward, and, and Bart, I agree with you. One thing Douglas has done well is that he does have two interchangeable parts on the offensive line between Tipman and Tucker. So he does have some flexibility to hopefully fix the rest of the offensive line. But i, I got to ask both of you, and I'll address it more toward Bart. I don't know if you guys seen the Bruce Hall story yet. I, I mean, I feel bad for, I, I feel bad for high-profile uh, people. I really do. I mean, this poor guy, he's at an airport, and he's getting harassed, and Paul Banks had to step in. I mean, it, Who's it, that? it's crazy. Uh, Bruce Hall was coming home from the Super Bowl, and uh-huh. he was going to get his yeah he's going to get his luggage, and this guy got nasty with him at, at the luggage, and he yeah I'm not going to repeat what he said uh, in the article I read, and Carl Banks had to step in between the two of them because he just kind of wanted to defuse everything, but I mean you know it, it's it's a shame it's a shame that you guys have to kind of kind of lay low, kind of try to stay out of the public as much as possible, but I guess that's almost an impossible thing. And that's somebody's father, and somebody was, was bullying your kid or saying something to them, you have some have some decorum, have some, some, some class, some grace, like, and that's that's the thing. People think if they buy tickets, they, they can say whatever they want, but then when the, the, the athlete responds, you get the response that you want when you're walking up to a 235-pound 6'2 um, African-American and he – and he, and, he, and he reacts, now you want to play victim. See, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, you, you can't have it both ways because there's certain things that you, you, you wouldn't dare say to somebody uh, that, that looked like that and was built like that. First person to go cry wolf. Oh, he, well, he choked yeah, the hell out of me. Well, well yeah, yeah, to your point, I'm reading this from the Post here, Bart, and TMZ had it first. Uh, according to witnesses at the airport, the fan asked Hall for an autograph, and he wasn't signing – and then uh, the witness apparently just started 
screaming, if you're going to slap me, then slap me. So he was trying to go right. Brees Hall into an altercation. And then there's another woman, I think, off camera who could be heard yelling, it's a federal crime if you got get into a fight at, the, at an airport, which is correct. Um, so, yeah, just it looks like an a unnecessary situation that got completely out of control. That's why you always got to have a – you always got to have a friend around you that got nothing to lose, and you just kick that ass real quick. I'm like, yeah, don't worry, I'll bail y'all, dog. And Carl Banks, I'm just playing. friend of uh, ESPN New York, there to step in and defuse uh, the situation. It's crazy. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, and Carl's the, the OG, and he he's a guy that understands these situations. And, you know, you know the fact that it comes to that, like, oh, if you're going to smack me, like, man, come on, man. You, you're making a mockery. Like, stop it, man. Go get your two minutes of fame somewhere else. I won't be involved in your lawsuit, so you don't have to go work, you know, at your job or whatever. Like everybody's looking for the easy way out. This portion of Barton Hahn is brought to you by Tullamore Dew because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Tullamore Dew, the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cask matured Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew Honey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. A couple of you want to uh, respond to Bart's comments on leadership and the Dallas Cowboys. We'll get to your calls, 1-800-919-3776, as we continue on this President's Day show on 98.7 ESPN New York. Thanks for listening to the Barton Hahn Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN.